Hey everyone, we are back for season six of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Marina Buxov, a functional medicine pharmacist and holistic herbal educator. I'll be sharing inspiring stories of my guests who have shifted into holistic modalities, both personally and professionally. My co-host, Dr. Jenna Carmichael, will be joining me to lead the Journal Club episodes to share an evidence-based approach to holistic and herbal medicine. I'm so glad you're here and hope you enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back to the show. I can't wait to release all the amazing episodes I've been recording thus far behind the scenes with the most inspiring people. Today's episode is no exception as I interview Rachel Smith, who's been studying and working in health and wellness for over seven years. She has a background in healthcare administration, scientific research, fitness coaching, and is a certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. Rachel is the owner of Natural Health Rising, which is an online holistic wellness company where she helps women naturally reverse their symptoms of autoimmune disease, hormone imbalance, and chronic illness. Her process involves helping clients heal hidden infections, detox from heavy metals and mold, and use food and lifestyle changes as medicine. Rachel is on a mission to help people rise to their healthiest, happiest selves. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I have with me a very special guest today. Her name is Rachel Smith, and she's a functional practitioner. So I'd love to just dive straight in and ask her, as I do with most of my guests here on the show, um, just for a brief introduction about where she grew up and how she got interested in what eventually became her practice. So Rachel, welcome to the show. Please introduce yourself. Thank you for having me on the show, Marina. So where I grew up and my background and everything, well, I originally am from Illinois and I lived there in a pretty small town north of Chicago till I was 10, moved to Florida with my family after that, and mostly grew up there. I am now in Arizona, but most of the time in nice sunshine states. So that's, that's been nice growing up. (laughs) Um, but Basically, what got me into what I do today was really a series of my own health struggles and then also seeing a lot of things happen with my family too. So I was not really a healthy kid. Um, I always had stomach problems. I had a lot of lung issues. I constantly had pneumonia, bronchitis, things like that. And I even was diagnosed with asthma at one point when I was in high school. And it was just like one thing after the other, I kept going to doctor after doctor and being in the hospital and being in doctor's offices was super normal for me as a kid. So, um, kind of as my health problems progressed, as I became an adult, it just still continued to be super normal for me. And, um, I, at the same time, when I was younger, my brother passed away when I was 16 from, a pharmaceutical overdose. And my grandfather passed away from a super rare cancer. And these were kind of two things that happened back to back where I was like, that's really weird. Like, why did that happen? You know, was there a better way? Um, so kind of with that and with my health problems, I wanted to 
get into healthcare in some way and try to alter it. I was like, oh, if I can get into quality improvement or something in healthcare, maybe I can come on the back end and, and fix things. But as a young person, I didn't really know what that meant or what that was going to look like. So I went to school studying healthcare administration, thinking that I was going to be a CEO of some hospital and make all these massive changes. <laughs> so during that time, I actually wound up getting super sick and my hair was falling out. I had heart palpitations. I could barely swallow. Sometimes I was having panic attacks and it was just, I was literally falling apart. And so by the time I graduated and I turned about 21, I was rushed to the hospital for almost having a heart attack, which they wound up doing a heart surgery on me to see if I had any electrical issues going on. They didn't find anything. And that was kind of the tipping point for me after experiencing everything in healthcare, everything with my family, myself, and still having no answers. And then at this point, also seeing the opposite side of healthcare, like actually working in on the corporate end, um, I realized that I wasn't going to make any changes where I was sitting and I needed to kind of look into different alternatives. So that's when I got interested in functional medicine and holistic health. I started reading tons of books, listening to all sorts of podcasts and eventually uh, found out that I had Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease. And as soon as I started working with a functional medicine practitioner, my health problems started to go away. So it seemed so blatantly obvious and simple once I started working with them, but I just couldn't believe that I had spent my entire life not understanding that and not being exposed to that. And same thing. I was like, okay, wow, maybe my grandfather and my brother and like all these other things could have been fixed in a totally different way. So again, like along with their issues in mind, it just really inspired me to want to help people in the same fashion that I was starting to help myself. So I went back to school and I started studying biochemistry and anatomy and physiology and everything I could get my hands on. I didn't really know what the exact route was. And then eventually I wound up to a place where I got my certification as a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. And that is where I am today. <laughs> Hopefully that wasn't too long of a story. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And first of all, I'm so sorry about what happened to your brother and your grandfather and, you know, the health journey and all the challenges that you've shared personally. Um, but I think that's how many of us do wind up seeking alternatives and more holistic and natural and preventative kind of approaches, rather than going the conventional route, which you know, it definitely has its upside and, you know, it has save life-saving potential, right? Um, but we end up spending so much resources to save lives, but not to prevent and to uh, enhance the lives that people are already living. Um, so I think it's very important to focus on both, um, you know, improving and supporting health not only on saving people from the brink of death. So I think we need to kind of find a balance in our healthcare, which is what this podcast is all about. Um, so again, thanks for uh, sharing. And I would love to kind of dive into what you think for you personally were, you know, the major key things that helped you get better, um, like, if you had to choose like, you know, the top three things or, you know, the top few things that you think made the most uh, significant 
improvement. Could you share what that was for you? Yeah, sure. Number one was diet (laughs) for people who have autoimmune diseases specifically, and honestly, a lot of chronic illnesses, but you know, that specific category, when you remove obviously the major inflammatory things like sugar and gluten, but then when you go a little bit deeper and start removing grains and all the inflammatory oils and things like that, then it allows your body to really calm down and start to heal things. So changing my diet probably accounted for somewhere between 60 to 70% improvement in symptoms. Wow. And then after that, Hmm. I would say internal things, right? So what I specialize in is doing the lab testing to look for parasites and heavy metals and nutrient deficiencies. So you can make all the diet changes and get good sleep and exercise. But if there's something inside of you that you don't know is there, or if you have some sort of major imbalance that needs to be fixed, you're going to continue to hit a wall. So it took me a long time to really piece a lot of that stuff together. And I, I still do lab testing on myself and I'll still hit, hit walls. Sometimes I'm like, Oh, now I have this imbalance that I need to fix, but I'm consistently getting better and better and better over time. So that is a huge piece of it. And I would say third would be managing my stress. So as someone who likes to work really hard and really cares way too much about other people and my business and all these things and helping others. Sometimes I get really lost in that and forget that I need to take care of myself first before I help serve other people. And so managing all that stress, taking time for fun, joy with friends, doing all the things I love, and then really practicing stress management techniques, meditation, breath work, um, fixing past trauma stuff, you know, going to therapy, all of those things that kind of interplay with, um, trauma and stress, I think are a huge factor to healing. Yeah. Yeah. All of those are super, super important. And like you said, preliminary, right? Because I don't even know which order I would rate them in because now more and more I'm seeing, you know, the nervous system is so important because it regulates every single other part of our body, you know, it interfaces with everything that's going on. So if your nervous system is not optimally reacting to stress because there's past trauma and, you know, repetitive patterns, um, going into fight and flight and freeze, then it's really difficult to get the needle moving anywhere. Right. So it's kind of, it has to be a multifactorial approach where we, um, tackle some of these issues, maybe not with one practitioner, maybe we do need a team of practitioners that specialize in each of these areas. But, um, you know, like tackling it from all these different angles is super critical, because we can just, you know, like you said, um, get a perfect diet going, and then everything will fall into place. Unfortunately, there's many moving pieces, and they all kind of shift things. So even if you fix, quote, unquote, one thing, um, other shifts could be, you know, either enhancing or diminishing the other work that you're doing. So um, I would love to know, you know, how your experience as a patient is now influencing how you practice as a practitioner and how it guided you to um, choose to be a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, right? Um, You know, why is that the path that you chose? And Mm -hmm. how does it influence how you interact with and advise people? 
Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. So as I was, even though when I met the fun, the first functional practitioner that helped me, he helped me so much, but the issue there was, I think I spent $4,000 or somewhere around there. And I had maybe two sessions with him or something. I mean, he was rated as one of the top functional practitioners in Florida, right? He was like on TV and stuff. He could charge whatever. And I didn't care at the time. And just him diagnosing me and telling me to change my diet was totally worth that. But that's kind of where it ended. Right. And then I had to search for the next one. And I was like, okay, now I think I have candida. I think I have this. And I was kind of, as we all do, we all kind of look into our own, we pretend to be doctors on Google. Right. And then I had to find a different practitioner who was a naturopathic doctor and he specialized in that kind of stuff. And then I didn't feel well again. And I found a practitioner who discovered heavy metal toxicity. Right. And so it was a series of very slowly piecing things together, even though I was working with really awesome people, I just felt like it wasn't a total package or a total program where they're like, don't worry, we're going to find every last detail of what's going on with you until I'm done with you. It was just this, this puzzle piece that I was still trying to solve. So actually, and before I move on and it wasn't, it's not very supportive normally when you're going to doctors, right? You go in, you see them, maybe they give you some handouts, they tell you what to do and then you leave. Okay. It's very like one-off, even if you see them a few times. So all of that, the way I structure my business now is one, we're doing programs. I will, I basically refuse to see people one-off sessions one or two times because I know that when I do that, if I just read a bunch of labs, tell them all these things wrong and give them a bunch of supplements and changes to make, normally they're going to fall off from a lot of that stuff. They don't have that additional support or handholding. Um, so my, I have programs, right? So they're meeting with me frequently, or at least, uh, once a month right now I'm doing, I made it into a course. So they have all this content they're going through for three months. They're meeting with me on a monthly basis. They have that additional support, that additional customization. Um, they have, they can chat with me during the week, every single day, they have that support. So they're really never left in the dark at all. They never, if they ever have a freak out moment, like I'm there, it doesn't matter. And at the same time, I tell them, look, we're going to run these main labs that give me a huge holistic overview of what's going on. And normally that's enough, but if we don't figure out some things, we might have to dive a little bit deeper and do some more extensive testing. Maybe we're looking for mold. Maybe we're looking for Lyme. And my goal really is to be the last person that they have to see. I don't want them to feel like I did going from all these different practitioners. Again, although they were amazing and very helpful, it was just annoying having to go to all these different people and figure it out myself. Um, so those, those two main things are really what changes me from the way I see other people doing it or just great functional doctors and things like that. And again, that kind of inspired me going this route with being a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, because if I was say a naturopathic doctor and I had to stay in Arizona and I got my license here, then one, I'm confined to being in Arizona, practicing a certain way. And I definitely could do programs and everything like this, but it looks very different. And so at that point it's like, well, why not? Why don't I just do this this way? Um, so right now I serve people 
technically I could work with people all over the world, but I have people all over the U S right now. And it's, yes, I have to be very careful with the way I word things because of my certification, because not being necessarily a doctor, but I can reach a lot more people than if I was just stuck in one state under certain uh, legal circumstances and things like that. Yeah. I want to definitely go back to some of the things that you touched on when answering that. Um, but since you mentioned the certification, I would love to know your take on, you know, the importance of certifications. And again, what, um, guided you to make that choice, which you, you sort of explained, you know, um, you kind of eliminated some of the limitations that other practitioners would face depending on state law and things like that and scope of practice. So um, when researching your certification credentials, how did you, um, you know, select this particular school? I'm not sure who you were certified by and what is your stance in general on certifications? Because I know for my field, uh, you know, I'm a pharmacist, so that definitely has to go under the state law and under the allied health professional umbrella. Um, but then I'm also an herbalist and a health coach. So those certifications are not really well defined. Um, they do have differences among the states um, because some states will only allow dietitians to talk about diet versus other professionals, um, you know, RDs and, um, and other types of registered dietitians and uh, nutritionists, whereas some states will be more loose. So as a pharmacist, I can speak about lifestyle and diet. And as an herbalist, I can also speak to a lot of things that are just not regulated. So therefore nobody can really set those limitations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> so first of all, I think it matters on what is your goal, right? So Registered dietitians, I'm pretty sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure an RD, they have to recommend certain guidelines, right? Is that correct? Like, yeah. Um, like the, yes. Okay. And there's okay. a lot of calculations and nutrients and calories and all of that very detailed work. Right. So if you're someone who hundred percent believes that the way that the American government wants us to eat food is correct, then go be a registered dietitian. And if that's the guidelines you want to follow, right. Cause you're going to be bound by those. And I actually know some registered dietitians who thought that they wanted to do that, made it their career. And then way later down the road realized, oh, wow, this actually isn't helping people. And I don't believe in this anymore. So that's a really tough spot to be when you went through all that school and you don't have a choice and you have to kind of pivot out of that. So I think that's something to consider. I also, I personally get frustrated with this stuff with doctors and licenses and certifications, because at the end of the day, all of that stuff is just a label. And what really matters is the, the solution that we're giving people and how good of a practitioner are we as a person like I said, I went my entire life as a sick child going to hundreds of doctors and them all telling me that I had all these crazy health problems that I wound up reversing when I got older eventually. Right. So just because they're doctors didn't mean they knew anything about what was going on with me. And same thing, you could go see someone like me and, and they could be terrible, <laughs> right. They might not be a, a good practitioner. Um, so I have, I have trouble with the whole labeling thing because I actually, 
I don't know if you know this, I did go to naturopathic medical school for about a year during the pandemic. And that was kind of wild for me because we were just learning everything online. Um, a lot of crazy stuff was going on with, with the school at that time. And it just didn't seem right for me. Thank goodness. I was able to figure that out because I'm super happy where I'm at. Um, but again, that was where I kind of realized, okay, do I really want to be bound in Arizona? Do I really want to be bound by all of these things? So I think just sitting there and thinking through all of those situations and scenarios, like, are you going to move? What population do you want to serve? How do you want to practice? Do you want an in-person practice? Do you want an online practice? Right. Um, so how did I pick mine? I actually, it was a friend of a friend who is super successful in this business. And I saw that he was able to do the functional labs and I thought, well, that's super cool. That's basically why I wanted to go to medical school. I just want to be able to do the labs and everything. Um, and so I chose that because I have a past of not only going through my uh, first bachelor's degree and then basically all going pre-med, almost having a biochem background as well. I did a bunch of research. I went to medical school for a little bit. Then I did this program. So the way that I practice is going to look completely different than in my knowledge background is actually totally different than someone who just walked into this program, did the certification and left, right? We both have the same certification, but we have completely different backgrounds that most people don't know all of that about me. Right. So again, I think at the end of the day, it's just like, what outcome do you want to have? Who do you want to serve? And then you need to get the testimonials from those people to really prove and be like, look, I have XYZ certification, but these are the things that I can do for you. And these are the testimonials I have. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Biochemistry is so important. So when you understand like the nitty gritty of what's happening in the biochemically and biologically, you know, the wedding of those two things is really important. Um, so all of the things that we use, whether it's herbs or supplements or foods or lifestyle changes, they all inform our biochemistry, um, you know, and as well as the environmental factors too. Mm -hmm. So, and, you know, metabolism and elimination. So all of these things, if we understand the biochemistry, um, we will definitely understand all the upstream and downstream effects of what we're doing. So, um, so that's why I think having a previous license or background, you know, either in chemistry and pharmacy, biology, you know, pre-med, like you said, or, you know, having some sort of foot um, or taking those classes at least will be super important. And also having that awareness and the focus that this information is actually really useful and not just trying to get through a class because it's required by your major, right? So uh, I honestly uh, wish that I paid a little bit more attention in biochem because I love chemistry. Um, so, you know, organic chemistry, everything that was my jam. Um, but biochemistry for some reason to me was not like very intuitive. Uh, so, you know, if you memorize those amino acids, if you know, what's essential, if you know, what's converted into what that is half the battle, honestly, and then you mm -hmm. could kind of, um, really understand what's going on and why things are working. And when we know the why it motivates us to keep going because we know that, Hey, this is science and this is happening in my body. So 
um, you know, I just have to stick through it because it will work, right? Um, so if we're very confident about the science and about the biochemistry, we can be very confident about the outcome. And also, like you said, experience, right? The empirical reviews and that data that you've been able to help somebody overcome certain things is really good for building your confidence and enhancing your practice, right? So um, I know that you are very successful in your practice and with your programs that you've developed and the packages and how you work with people. So, um, and as you mentioned that it was informed by the way that you went through the kind of the healthcare system. So um, how did you build this practice? Um, how did you get those testimonials? Because I know that what you mentioned before about people going through kind of like the popular, right, um, treatments, you know, candida was popular at once, everybody was looking for candida, leaky gut was popular, you know, all of a sudden now everybody has leaky gut. Um, <laughs> there's these like fix it all approaches that, oh, this is the reason behind everything. And then every like several years or a decade, it kind of changes and we find more information. Everybody has metal toxicity. Everybody has X, Y, Z going on. So we kind of generalize based on like the current fads and what's, you know, popular. And then Google, like you said, now there's so much information available and accessible that it's almost like impossible to even understand what is the truth, right? How kind of dig to the bottom of it and play detective. So how do you approach your patients? Um, I know, you know, you have a niche, a specific niche that you serve with autoimmune conditions, but um, each patient can be different, right? So how do you approach um, each patient knowing that they could have a different way that they like to be approached, right? Um, and also that their disease state could be unique, even though it's the same diagnosis. How do, how do you handle that in your practice? Mm-hmm. Okay. So like I said, we kind of start with like a, a blanket of certain labs, right? Uh, mineral testing and heavy metals, gut testing, organic acids, just to get a basis. But in the beginning, obviously we're going through a, a sales call and I'm understanding, okay, first of all, is this person even right to work with me? And then going over their symptoms and saying, okay, do they need something deeper than this? Is this really going to serve them like running these things? Do we need to do hormone testing? Do we need to do Lyme mold, whatever? So that's the first part that's customized is figuring out, are we actually doing the right initial testing for them? And then as far as meeting them where they're at. It's, you know, every time I'm meeting with somebody, I give them a certain amount of materials that I expect them to be able to take on and do and accomplish in their life. But sometimes, and I always ask you, I say, look, are you somebody who wants me to throw the kitchen sink at you? Or are you somebody who gets overwhelmed easily? And sometimes they don't know. And sometimes they lie and they're like, yeah, I want everything all at once. And then I say, okay, well, we need to communicate openly and honestly. And if this is ever overwhelming in any capacity, please let me know. And so I just do check-ins with them and be like, Hey, how are you feeling after I told you all of that? You know, are you okay to add on another thing? Are you, you know, would you want me to shut up and stop talking? <laughs> and normally they, they're very honest and they're good. And they're like, no, bring it on. Or, Hey, you know, this is good. I'm, I'm feeling pretty overwhelmed. So I think that's really important to have that conversation instead of just 
not thinking about them at all, right? And just throwing things again and again at them. And then they'll, they're going to get to a point where they just break and, or maybe they're not doing everything you're saying. Um, and then as far as protocols, there are certain things I use that work really well. Supplement wise, for example, oh, you have a parasite. Okay. This is what I like to use for the parasite, but I'll give you a perfect example. I have one, one lady recently who had Giardia. I gave her the protocol that I knew was going to work. It worked. We retested that Giardia was gone. I have another client right now who we just found Giardia. She started the exact same protocol and all week she's been messaging me, Hey, I'm having bloating and cramping and I don't feel well. And so literally this morning I said, okay, scratch this entire plan. Here's the new one, because what are you going to do? Sit in pain and take these supplements I told you to take. Or do we need to try something new? And so that's another place where support comes in really well is how often do you get to just call your doctor every, you know, a couple minutes and be like, Hey, today, the supplement's still not working. What should I do today? I still don't feel good. What do I do today? Right. Um, so being there to just check in on them and make sure that everything is going smoothly. And if it's not, then we can make adjustments as needed. Yeah, that is so important. And you're absolutely right. I've yet to see a practice where you could just, you know, call or text or message your provider um, and get an immediate response. I've recently had an experience where I was hospitalized, actually, and I was um, enrolled in this app that the hospital had, and they have a huge network of outpatient doctors as well. So this was like the first high tech you know, system that I interfaced with, and I found it really cool and progressive. But, you know, they do have messaging to the doctors, but it takes, you know, up to 48 hours for response, unless, you know, it's an emergency, in which case you're always advised to call 911 anyway. So mm -hmm. um, I think it's a step in the right direction, definitely. But the high touch, you know, one-on-one -on -one support that practitioners like yourself are able to offer, and I offer that as well, is really amazing, you know, and you really don't see that often, especially with the response turnarounds that is offered. Mm -hmm. So I love that you do that. Um, as well as I know you have a HIPAA compliant app that you use that I could yes. share the link to in the show notes. And um, myself, I practice with a team called Farm to Table. So we have our own team platform as well. So that's a really nice aspect of where technology can really serve us in the healthcare field. So if you want to share um, a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So I use practice better as my platform for all my clients. And like Marina was just saying, it's HIPAA compliant. So we store all the labs on there and then they can upload anything that's coming from blood work from their doctors or whatever else we need to compile. And that's really great. We do all the forms and waivers on there for the initial health consults, you can create your own um, symptom forms and trackers. And what I do is I create a symptom tracker. So I think this is really cool to implement so that your clients can see or your patients can see how much they're progressing. Um, so basically I've created all these different body systems and uh, symptom scales, right? Different symptoms. Okay. Rate your scale or you rate your symptom on a scale of zero to five, five being the worst. And so we do that in the beginning, we have a total score, and then we kind of do that throughout their program so that we can show them two months down the road, four months down the road, they redo it and say, Hey, check it out. You've improved by 40%, 50%, hundred percent in symptoms, whatever it is. And that they get that extra boost of confidence that they're moving in the right direction. But anyways, so that's, that's where I use all the forms and all of that. I love that part of it. 
They have a journal system on there too. So you can have clients track their exercise, their water intake. Um, I use it for the food journaling. So I have the journal for two weeks so that I can see, are you actually following the guidelines that I'm giving you? Do you understand the guidelines? And also how is this stuff making you feel? And then we can dial in what's best for them based upon that. So that's kind of another piece of the customization you're asking about. Um, and then we do protocols on there. So whatever I'm giving them every time I meet, I make them a new protocol. So it's updated so that we're slowly dripping in new information. And then that is also linked to full script. So I try as hard as possible to get all my stuff on full script so that it doesn't get over complicated for them. And that'll automatically add everything to their cart. They get that notification to purchase everything. And then Practice Better also makes a nice little chart for them on the bottom of their protocol so they can see exactly the time and when to take all of their supplements so that they can just print that out, put it next to their supplements, and then refer back to that right there so that it's it's super easy for them. Um, they also have your packaging in there. So you can put your packages, you can put your um, I have like an onboarding system in there that's automated. So when they first start, they have all the information that drips out about how to take their labs. We have our sessions linked up so it can go directly to zoom and we can meet on there from zoom in the package and it'll deduct the, the session from there. Um, so it's really like an all encompassing system with so many different aspects of it. I think it's really great for anybody who is, whether they're even a, a doctor, a health coach, a, a herbalist, whatever it is, it's really used for anybody in that kind of health professional realm. Yeah. And uh, you did a demo of this platform for my students. And what mm -hmm. I loved is the course or educational component where you can build your own, not only protocols that you can save on there and, you know, email easily to people or attach files but also have the whole um, drip system of, you know, that you pre-record and that way you don't have to spend one-on-one -on -one time with people if you're explaining the same relevant information or you could even, you know, toggle it like this is applied to this patient or client and then this is not relevant. So we'll skip that. So you can really customize and educate your clients as well. Or you could even have people just go through that if you wanted to, if they didn't want to work one-on-one -on -one with you. Yes. I love that about it too. Awesome. So um, I kind of have a curious question. Have you ever had a negative experience or has a client ever had a negative experience? Um, I mean, I would imagine, as you said, that you have a system where you, before onboarding and accepting a client, you want to make sure it's a good fit. So, you know, I imagine that a lot of it you're already screening for whether or not they will benefit from your program or not. Um, but was that kind of a learning curve for you where you knew who to accept and who not to? Yeah, I've had some bad experiences, <laughs> but they were definitely more in the beginning. Um, I've had a couple people get very overwhelmed. So I remember one, one woman, she was preparing for her wedding and she was working two jobs full-time. And I mean, basically like full-time teacher during the week, full-time job on the weekend also was about to plan a wedding, all these things going on in her life, but she was unwell, which in retrospect, she's probably unwell because she's so stressed and busy. Right. 
Um, and then she added the program on and she couldn't stay on top of the diet changes. She, you know, missed a session and things like that kind of fell apart. And then she's like, I'm good. I, I don't think this is the right time for me, but she had already invested money in it. And at that point, you know, I felt bad. I was like, well, we can, we can keep going after your wedding. We need to, we need to finish this off. I don't want to just leave you without support, but she kind of just fell off. And so, and I had a, another similar situation like that happened before, but that made me realize, okay, I need to be extremely, extremely detailed and upfront in sales calls with people explaining to them the time commitment, the workload that's going to happen and all of these other things you need to do, but you're going to get your results, but you, we need to definitely talk about, do you have time to come to these sessions? Do you have time for this and that? Otherwise, if, if you're just going to, to fall off, then it's not going to work out. Yeah, I've had similar experiences, both with my clients and also myself, um, where, you know, the decision to buy something, whether it's a way to enhance your health, you know, um, or another coaching service, or even um, something else that requires some work on your part, you know, it's not just like an object that automatically grants you the prize of now you're healthy now that you've invested money, like it does require time, energy, commitment on your part, and um, it can definitely get overwhelming, right? Um, so it's a matter of when you make that emotional decision to purchase, that's the emotional part, right? It's not really rational. And then when it comes time to actually do the work, whether or not you are able to put time for it or you have that support, right, that the practitioner could offer too for the conversations that need to be had for the check-in um, component is really, really important because then you're going to lose trust in yourself because you're going to see that you're failing to put in the work. So now you're further and further away from putting in the work because you had the experience, the negative experience with your own self that you don't trust your own word anymore, that before you were not able to put in the work. So now you don't even want to attempt to do that because you failed in the past. So I think that's really, really important when working with clients, whether in a health coaching capacity or otherwise, to, to really have those expectations from both ends. Hey, here's what I'm offering and the type of support. And here is what will be required for you to put in, in order for us to get the desired outcome or result that you're seeking. Um, so I've definitely had the overwhelming, you know, the overwhelm be a huge block. And also when it comes to actually, you know, performing, right. Or <laughs> expecting your body to perform or to improve. Um, it can also be very challenging, you know, just on a, mental level to limit things for yourself. Like if you go on an extreme limiting diet, right? The elimination diet, you know, that is so useful and so beneficial, but it takes four to six weeks at least for you to see any improvements on that. And so how do you, you know, work around really challenging things and you've had to do it yourself, I imagine for Hashimoto's and um, in your health journey, so how do you model it for your patients and how do you make it so that um, it doesn't seem like they're depriving themselves and kind of motivates them to keep going? Mm -hmm. Well, 
I make sure I spend a lot of time talking about all the things that they can do every time they feel, oh, this is restrictive or I, I feel, you know, they have emotions coming up or something like that. I'm like, okay, well, what are you actually missing? What's the thing that's really frustrating you that you feel like is so out of the normal for you? And we just find a swap for it. Right. And they're like, well, but I love pasta so much. It's like, okay, great. We have cassava pasta. It's no big deal. (laughs) We just make that switch, but people don't know about those things. So it's just having that conversation and explaining that there's plenty of things that they can eat. And as you were talking about before, the why behind the what with things, with, with science, it's like, that's all the time. I always explain the why behind the what, okay, well, we're removing this thing because it's causing pain in your body or it's causing inflammation or it does X, Y, and Z biochemically. And then they're like, oh, okay, well that makes sense. So I shouldn't do that. But this one, this food has all these micronutrients in it and all these vitamins and amino acids, and this helps build your hormones and this and that. And so, oh, okay. So that's super healthy for me. Great. So really just going deeper explaining and then making sure that wherever they feel like they're lacking, you just come up with something that's a substitute for it. Right. And I feel like I had something else to say. (laughs) What was the rest of the question? Um, yeah, I think you covered it about how, to make somebody feel like they're not being too restrictive on themselves and that they can put in the work, um, you know, to make the changes, even if they've failed in the past. Yes. All I was going to add was I also give them a lot of stories, right? So I'll tell them, okay, we had this client who had this exact same disease and they were able to do it in this amount in this amount of time, or you know, maybe it's not going to happen in that amount of time for you, but that result is achievable. So just giving those them those stories and that confidence that it is achievable and so that they keep that mindset going. Um, and then we try and celebrate small wins too. So I always ask them, what are your wins this week? What's going on? I have a chat with wins in it so that people will be encouraged to share those things as they come up, but just trying to remind them that there's other things that are positive in their lives and that goes back to the symptom tracker thing I do too, because people forget, like they make all this progress and then they forget that in the beginning they had bloating and constipation every day, but now they don't, but they have, they still have headaches or something like that. So they start to focus on all the things they have and forget all the things they did have. And so when we can show them, Hey, you've made all this progress, then that also keeps them motivated to continue to go. Yeah, I've seen that a lot as well, where you just kind of take it for granted when something does go well and good and your health is improving, you sort of forget how bad it used to be. It's a very interesting amnesia that seems to happen. And even, you know, after giving birth, for example, if somebody has, you know, very painful time with the contractions and, you know, whether or not they get the epidural or not, it may still be very painful. Um, but you kind of, you kind of have the amnesia afterward because of the oxytocin, um, that now here's your baby and you kind of forget about how bad it was. And then, you know, everything is a matter of time. I feel like, right. Healing is also a matter of time if you're doing the right things. So you kind of, the further away you get sometimes, you know, the further away is like your emotional memory of what happened, um, Trauma works differently where you're constantly re-triggered. But um, for a lot of cases, for example, my recent experience where I was hospitalized, you know, the further and further 
I am away from that experience, the less kind of, you know, flashbacks and <laughs> negative stuff that comes up from that experience. So, um, yeah, I think what you said about expectations is really important. And that has been reflected in my own journey where um, if there is a sort of timeline and progression that we set forth and we have examples of how others were able to achieve similar things, it really is motivating because it shows people that it's possible and they're not just doomed to never see any results. Right. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on and sharing your clinical and business pearls with us. And if you just have like two more minutes, we can do a rapid fire round. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so question number one, what's the number one thing that somebody can do to experience a better quality of life right now? Oh, the number one thing. get outside and get sunshine and just get into, get into nature, get your feet in the bare grass, um, do some breathing exercises outside, whatever it is, just relieve stress outside to get that sunshine. Um, and to get some, some fresh air. I think that people stay inside way too much. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. And so many things like we know, and we mentioned about environmental impact as well. Um, and we're constantly exposed to things indoors, for some, some people, they're triggered by outdoors things. Other people are triggered by indoor things. So you, you never know. But in general, yes, nature with all the grounding and the negative ions and the yes. nice scenery where you're not just staring at a computer screen, but your eyes actually can go and, and take in the entire view can be so therapeutic and so underrated, even though it's free, right? Yeah. And I'll add to do it multiple times a day, like getting out like first thing in the morning, getting the sunshine so that you're setting your circadian rhythm again in the middle of the day. And then if you can sunset time too, if you're a superstar. <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorite tips as well. In addition to adaptogenic herbs and speaking of plants and how we mentioned biochemistry, I am more and more in awe of how, when I learned about herbs and also my pharmacy background, there's so many layers by how and why a plant does work for a certain thing that we learn about. And it's just multifactorial as well. So a plant is doing so many things and affecting so many systems at once. So even if back in the day, right, herbalists didn't really have the labs, the comprehensive, you know, or functional labs or anything like that, somehow the wisdom of the plants was able to balance multiple levels and multiple um, systems, right, um, all at once. So even if they didn't know what root cause medicine was, somehow the plant was able to target what the root cause is on the different levels that it works. Mm -hmm. So I find that super fascinating. And I'm now merging, you know, functional medicine with herbalism, with pharmacy and relearning all these connections. So it's pretty awesome. Um, so my second question for you is um, about business. So if you had to give the number one tip for people just starting out in their practice and wanting to also help clients in a similar way, what would be your number one advice to them? Mm, if you're just starting out, 
probably to hire somebody to help you (laughs) hire someone who is a coach who has had success in the exact same field as you like exact same clientele base. If you know your niche already, um, or join like a mastermind with people who are also in a similar profession or just somewhere where you can put your head together with somebody else to understand the proper steps to take, because I, I didn't really do that for a while. And I was just doing a lot of searching on my own and that was painful. I feel like I went through like six, six different softwares for things and all these different things that I just kept changing again and again. And Until I finally joined a mastermind group, I finally hired coaches. And then at that point, I just had a little bit more direction. Now you still want to follow your own intuition on what you should do, right? What direction you want to take your business. I think that's a really important piece. You don't want to just do everything someone else tells you to do is your business, but having some sort of support and guidance so that you're not just sitting and doing hours and hours of research while you could be having a boost in in getting there quicker. Yeah, I totally agree. And sometimes people think, oh, I don't want to do that because it's going to require some sort of investment. Um, Or sometimes people want to pick your brain for free a lot. You know, I I get a lot of people reaching out to me, but um, I do think it's so important to find somebody that you want to uh, like kind of mirror and either have them be your mentor or somebody that's, you know, more accessible to you, perhaps, you know, maybe you can't reach Tony Robbins, but um, maybe you can find another coach that you resonate with um, because they emulate his style and therefore you can hire them out. So um, totally agree. And my last question is, what is your favorite hobby or pastime? My favorite hobby is anything active wise. And lately it's been in my past, it's always been like hiking, kickboxing, lifting weights. And then recently it's been swing dancing. <laughs> I, I got into swing dancing this year and it's been so much fun for me. I just, I, I love it so much. And, um, almost on a weekly basis, I'm, I'm going now and I'm learning more and more. And it is as crazy community that I didn't even know existed until a few months ago. <laughs> Yeah, I love dancing of all kinds. And recently I've had, not had to, but uh, I've been more restricted after the hospital experience about what types of exercises I can do. So I've been going back to the basics and doing like slow bar routine myself at home. Um, But yeah, I, I love dance and it really also kind of combine so many systems to be active, right? Like our mental uh, capacity, because we're thinking about the steps and also memorizing them and it really enhances our blood flow in, in many ways and just has so many positive impacts on us and our emotional mood with the music um, and the social quality of it as well. So that's such a great um, way to, to pass your time. So thank you so much again for coming on and sharing your personal story and your um, business and, um, you know, coaching practice with us, your health practice. So I will share your links and ways to contact you and learn more about the practice better website in the show notes. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Marina. All right. Take care. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you learned something new from it, I'd love if you could leave us a five-star review and share it with a friend who might love it too. 
You can find me on any of the podcast and social media platforms by looking up Holistic Pharmacist or Dr. Marina Booksov. Thank you for your support and see you next time.